Welcome to Turns Out She's Psychic, the podcast. Spiritual musings, sometimes amusing. I'm Tracy. And I'm Laura. episode of Turns Out It's Haunted. It's a bit of a crossover because we still are holding on to our inmate guest, Mel <laughs> Stevenson, who we got the to know a little lady. bit. The jail lady. <laughs> um, and now we're going to ask her a load of questions about where she lives. <laughs> we get to talk. Hi, Mel. Hi. <laughs> so, in turns out she's psychic um we introduced you and you told us a little bit about the decommissioned jail that you live in so tell us what it's called where it is and how you came about to live there um so we live in the old mcgambia jail which is in mcgambia at the bottom of south australia uh the jail opened on the 4th of april in 1866 And it closed as a functioning uh, prison on the 30th of June in 1995. So operated as a prison for 129 years. Um, The jail, when it was closed, went from being um, a state commission property and it was handed over to our local government. And our local council weren't really sure what to do with it. So in 2010, they opened it up for tender. And my husband and I were living on the Gold Coast and decided we would come down and see if we could turn it into a bit of an accommodation, event centre, um, and see what we could do with it. It's so exciting. It would have been such a um, an interesting time in life to just go, hey, let's just take a shot in a jail and see what happens. It was very strange. I mean, it was really run down. It had been, like when it shut, it had been um, opened again by someone else as a backpackers for a few years. Oh, they wow. did they, they did really well, but they hadn't done a lot to it. So when we walked in in 2010, um, we actually shared the premises with the old owners for about four months before they decided to leave. And we also shared it with about 15 homeless people as well. So, Whoa. Yeah, so what, what happened... Is- yeah, so what was happening is that um, we had a bit of a welfare issue in our community and so because there wasn't a lot of accommodation spaces for them, a lot of the people that needed housing were brought to the jail. So when we came in, it had been used as a bit of a, um, like a domestic violence, but like when anyone needed emergency accommodation, Refuge. they were brought in here. But you can imagine someone's mental health when they're in an emergency situation being taken into a decommissioned prison like it was it wasn't ideal and I just think they they just weren't sure what else to do so we actually began our journey here we we took on our commercial lease and my husband my son and our cat moved into one of the cells and we lived in one of the cells for four months while we were waiting for everyone else to move on (laughs) so it was a really strange way to start start our commercial lease that's for sure can I ask why they closed it um, they closed it because it was built so long ago, Laura. It, um, it's got 15 foot walls, but they're, it's like, um, you know, rock climbers, how you've got all the grooves. So yeah. they were having so many escapes all the time. So <laughs> they, they built another huge one. Uh, it's about 20 minutes away, big maximum security place. But this one was just, it was just getting too old. And right behind it was a primary school. So you'd have the escapes 
leave and then the alarms would go off and all the kids would be put inside and it it just yeah and I guess when they when they initially made the jail we were on the outskirts of Mount Gambia but now um that the town has grown we're actually near the main street so we're right in the middle of town so it just didn't work out in the end yeah many sensible reasons to close it (laughs) yeah exactly what what kind of prisoners were there all sorts of prisoners um Back when it first opened, the most um, common offence was drunkenness, but they'd have other serious crimes like murder and assault and robbery and rape, horse stealing and horse ranging. Um, there was also a lot of people in the early 1900s that were debtors, that um, if you didn't pay your bill back then, you'd serve prison time. Yeah, and there was also a lot of people put in here for lunacy, which really... Lunacy. Would, um, yeah, so any sort of mental health yeah. uh, issue. Is that why you're in there? And that's why menopausal here. women. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hysteria, all the oh, hysterical God. ones. <laughs> Once a month, off we go. Yeah. So there was lots and lots of um, different sorts of prisoners. There's a um, an interesting uh, story about a young boy called John. He was 13 years old when he was sentenced to 18 months in here, and that was in 1867. He stole his master's checkbook and forged a two-pound check. And so they threw him in here for 18 months and they also sentenced him on his last week of being in prison to receive 20 lashes from the, you know, the big nine cat of nine tables thing. Oh, God. So he would have spent his his sentence down here with all the other adult prisoners. Um, but luckily for him, the women of Mount Gambia rallied around him and um, petitioned so that he would not have to have those lashings on that last oh. week. On but what it was grounds? just 13. Well, I think I think we forget that, you know, back then it how prisons were run, it was really up to the warden of the day. And if you oh. had a warden that was tempest and militant yeah. and you know how they were ruled the whole prison. So yeah. it was just really um rough and it was really hard, you know, to be in prison. Very different, I guess, to how yeah. prisoners have it today. So were there women in there as well or just men? Yes, always. It was always a co-ed prison. Um, And, in fact, um, women, when they were put in jail and predominantly back then they were put in for drunkenness, um, uh, if they were sentenced, back then there was no welfare. So if you didn't have a family that could help look after your children, the children would often do the sentence with their mother. So then you would have the women that were in prison with male inmates and then all of a sudden all these children like it was it's a really interesting concept as you know compared to how we do things today but Mm. yeah well there is actually um other prisons that still run like that I was watching a documentary um on the weekend um about the 10 most um or the 10 prisons that still exist today that will surprise you or shock you and there was one of them in particular that I can think of I think it was uh I want to say it's in um oh it'll come to me stuff with B um oh I can't think of it anyway um the it was it's a male only prison however um, the men who have money, they they can buy units in the prison and the wives and the children can come and live in the units with the inmates. And there is just like one big gate that goes around the prison and it's like a city. And so there's no prison guards in there. Mm. 
Wow. It's like all the all the inmates and prisoners live in this kind of miniature little city inside the city and they run their own like their own bartering system, they grow fruits, but they even have their own meth labs in there. They've got like wow. their own full wow. currency. There's no money, but there's currency in there yeah. through what they sell bartering. and what they earn. And if if you're a prisoner with money, your wife and your children can come and live with you in the prison. Wow, that's fascinating. Still there. Yeah. That is fascinating. So who is um or who was, I guess, the jail's most infamous inf- inmate and why? Um, we've probably, that's a tricky question because we've probably, um, we've probably got two that I would pick. Um, we've got a prisoner called Joe Tog and he wrote a book about his, um, escapes from prison in 2008. Um, and he actually escaped from this prison with his cellmate and he talks about how he got out and, and how they took opportunities to get out and basically he once he escaped from here his um, cellmate was rediscovered and and captured but joe slept all through the days and then would walk at night time and to get back to adelaide he would um, stop in the dairies on the way and drink their milk at night time and just sit, keep going. So it took That's him quite so a while. <laughs> yeah. When when did he do that? Uh, in 2008, he wrote the book. So it must have been a bit before that. But he got recaptured again and then um, ended up sent, serving the rest of his sentence out in North Queensland. Oh. Um, yeah. So that was quite interesting. Um, oh, but the other, probably the most infamous inmate in regards to uh, visitation, like we get people visiting us that are... Um, ancestors of the person he murdered and they Ooh. are angry um, and they always want to know where he is where's his grave and his name was William Page and he was our second uh, executed prisoner um, and he basically was wanted by police in Victoria for deserting his family back then and no one in our community knew about it and he was actually dating a young girl called Mary Buchan and he ended up killing her um, and leaving her in a shallow grave in town um so there's a there was a lot of anger about this gentleman did, and what happened move? yeah and there's still anger because i still get ancestors of mary buckins turning up that are incensed with the idea that he did this wow. when was that uh that was back in uh, 1875 wow that's a long sad. time ago so that was early in the days of the jail as well yeah so you just said that um, that William was executed or hung. Mm-hmm. So how many how many prisoners? Like I know from my experience with jails and having family that you know were wardens in the jail and commissioner and stuff. That um, not all prisoners carried out that that um, form of punishment, and that they have strict records on how many. Oh, not strict records, but they have records that are meticulously kept about how many hangings they actually. So how many did Mount Gambia have? We only had three. Um, we had three men that were hanged um, here. Um, back then it was a law that anyone that was executed had to be buried within the jail grounds and often the case was back then. So you've then, got three buried where you live? Like we've got more than with... three, but we've got three executed. But, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so three times low. So the law of the day was that they had to be they had to be buried in the grounds. And back then, um, 
it's not here. We don't we don't have any proof that it happened here. But what would often happen in prisons back then is that the people that were burying the inmates would bury them actually standing up, like the coffins, instead of laying down. And the reason they would do that is because they did not want them to be resting in peace. So. Oh. So we don't have any proof that that happened here, but we do know that the three men that were hanged here were buried here. And when that happens, it's not just um, the inmate that, you know, doesn't get to have any of those rituals or, or send off. It's the whole family never gets to to go to visits. They don't get to go and pay respects. They don't get the body. So there's this big ripple effect that happens, I believe, from from having that happen. But, yeah, we have three of them buried here and they're buried in um, parts of the, da- the jail, um, different parts, and there's no headstones, there's no, there's nothing here to pay respect or to honour any of but the men. do you know where they yeah. are, though? <laughs> I was about to say that too. Do you know at least? <laughs> I have an idea. picking on top of them? Got a little so map. <laughs> when we first took over, I went through all the history records and everyone had a different idea of oh, where yeah. they were. So... All we've got in um, our jail down here is a lot of verbal history, so mm. stories that people have told. Um, and they're always different. People come in all the time that used to be wardens, screws or inmates, and um, they've always got a different recollection of what goes on. So we have a firm idea of where we think the three bodies are, but there are other bodies in here as well. That That's are, interesting. Yeah. Do you, do you keep that, like, private knowledge? No, we let people know and we, t- we tell them, yeah. I feel like it's a really important to share uh, the jail's history. Mm. Yeah, I find and it so- interesting that even though there was meticulous records being kept, they weren't recording where they were burying the bodies. It's funny you say that, Lara, because um, when I found out that my ancestor was a keeper, I went yeah. through all of the daily, the, the, the weekly things, thinking what can I discover? Hmm. But their records were meticulous but extremely boring and would only tell very small facts. So, for example, it might say, um, had a great day today, no one unwell, need a new wheelbarrow. Like there's yeah. all these other things that were happening behind the scenes. Did that not they, record it. Yeah, and that frustrates Men, right? people like me. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we want to know all the nitty-gritties and what's yeah. going on and they just did not record like that. Yeah. Mm. Wow. It's interesting. Yeah, it's frustrating. Um, what about the executioners and, you know, the people that worked in the prison. So uh, I know that, like, um, I've read somewhere that one of the executioners died in the jail. That's a a story about the Adelaide, the old Adelaide jail. Um, So, yeah, so up in Adelaide, one of their executioners had been there for so long and was quite a well-loved member of their team. And when he retired, he became homeless and they actually let him live out his days in the old jail in Adelaide, yeah, which is a bit of a sad, sad story. But we actually, um, because we had the three executions down here, um, the apparatus actually had to travel all the way down from Adelaide. We didn't have an executioner in Mount Gambia. They would travel with the apparatus, it would happen, and then it would go all the way back. So we only had the three um and you think that had something to do with it because it was just too much of a pain in the ass logistically to get the expensive yeah and expensive Mm -hmm. too like really expensive but the first um death was in execution was in 1871 and the last one was in 1881 so yeah it was all sort of done and dusted very quickly thank goodness and then Mm. was there a reason do you know why 
those three were execution, like were hung there and not just moved somewhere else? Um, because the travel um, from here to send them here all the way up to Adelaide to have them executed was, again, expensive, I think. Yeah. But um, I'm not really sure. They didn't write down any details, whether yeah. they thought that, that they would do it here with their family here. I- I'm not sure, Lara. Back in those days, there were um, public were invited to come in and watch, mm-hmm. not the family but other members of the public. Um, so yeah. morbid. Very morbid, yeah. And, like, we had out of the three, um, each of the gentlemen obviously murdered somebody, but the first person that was ever executed here, we have a real soft place for him in our hearts. I know that sounds a little bit odd. It, is, but it does sound so <laughs> odd. He, his name was Carl Jung and um, he was really down on his luck and he had um, just buried his daughter and a trooper from Mount Gambia went out to his property and spent the night there. And Carl and his wife probably fed them a meal and gave them a drink. And in the morning, this trooper got up and said, I'm taking your cattle and your pig and whatever else you've got because you owe debts and I'm taking it with me. But he hadn't talked about it the night before. So Carl flew into a bit of a rage and they got into an argument and a scuffle and he killed this a trooper. Uh, trooper. A state trooper. Uh, yeah. And it wasn't meditated. It was something that horrendous that had happened so he went to his daughter's grave and tried to take his life also and that didn't happen and when he realized he hadn't been successful he took himself in handed himself in but the interesting thing that happened is that uh, there was like 700 businessmen at the time that formed a petition about this and and sent it to the governor of Adelaide and said this is not this man like he's just not this sort of a guy and they were all really trying to Supporting. Yeah, so when they executed Carl, um, all he had to say, he held a, a rose for his wife in the courtyard and said that he forgive, forgave everybody for how they were treating him. Whoa. And Yeah, and it's just, um, you know. I just he got kept, covered in goosebumps too. He committed so, a, a terrible crime, but the humanity behind it, if you dig deeper into the story, it's yeah, just such a sad. And, yeah, yeah, and really I always pushed. think what happened to his wife and his family yeah. and how does that affect the trajectory for them? And I just Gosh. find it really fascinating. Well, I'm when glad was... you explained yourself a little bit from saying you had a soft spot. <laughs> when was that? That was in 1871. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And so you mentioned that there are many more buried on the grounds. Why, how did they come about to being buried there? So when they decided to build the jail in Mount Gambia, they built, they built or positioned the building in a section of the policeman's paddock. So we do know that there's Aboriginal bodies that were buried in the policeman's paddock when they couldn't afford uh, burials back in the day. Um, but we're not sure whether the ground that uh, the jail is on actually had any Aboriginal um, uh, what do you call it? Um, if there was any particular um, reason why there would be other bodies buried here beforehand. Like a so, sacred site. Yeah, potentially. Um, the other thing uh, is that I think we need to remember is that back when this jail was um, built, uh, Aboriginal people weren't necessarily seen in the eyes of the law as human beings. Isn't that crazy? With rights. It's yeah. horrendous, Lara. Um we do know that the first death in custody happened here to a young Aboriginal girl in 1867. 
that uh, was picked up on her way and put in a cell and and died here. So um, what I'm trying to say is that it's it wouldn't be um, unreasonable to think that there are bodies buried here. That more um, than we could imagine. Yeah. Yeah. And, so anyone, and no records. Any in- inmate that passed away within those walls would be buried there? No, only okay. the executed ones. However, Just when it comes to Aboriginal um, citizens, yeah. yeah, who's to know? Yeah. So when you mentioned that the jail was built on a police paddock, is that mm-hmm. what you said? Yes. Can you explain what a police paddock so is? So the policeman's paddock is a, a section of land that um, the policemen own and, and the uh, police station still built on the front of it and um, we're on the back end of it. So mm-hmm. um, when I've looked at history of our Bolandi people um, down here, there was an early woman, who, a non-Aboriginal woman, who called Christina Smith, who wrote lots of accounts and, and kept lots of stories about her relationship with um, uh, our local Bolandi. And um, she often would... Um, bring in Aboriginal kids or uh, teach them and have a little school. And often if um, one of those people couldn't afford uh, funeral rights or burial rights, she would bring that body to the policeman's paddock and have them have them okay. buried there if they couldn't afford to be put in a cemetery. Does that make Am I explaining that okay? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so we do know that they're on the policeman's paddock. There have been bodies buried it's just that we have no we have no records there's nothing for us that we have found yet to give us any further information so we very early on we had uh, one of our local elders auntie penny bonnie come through with her Mm. children and she gave us this beautiful smoking ceremony through the whole of the jail and released any souls um, in her customs and and and, you know in their culture to let them go back to the dreaming yeah, and um, just a couple of weeks ago, we actually had Auntie come back into the jail and perform um, a single launch on on a song with her, with her mob, and um, spend the whole uh, evening um, in healing. So wow. we try, yeah, yeah. So we try, and um, there's a lot of healing to be done here, and it's not just on our level and. Yeah, we just we try and appreciate that and make sure that we offer opportunity to have that done. I think it's really important. Thank you so much for doing that. It's just mm-hmm. huge. Yeah, it's it's yeah. our honor. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like um you've obviously um been called back to be able to give the jail its um its well to be able to honor it as a sacred space, a sacred site and and treat it so. Um, I feel like the two of you must have a bit of a love affair going on. Yeah. <laughs> Jail and Mel. It's a very yeah. strange relationship. <laughs> um, and so with all of that being said, this makes the perfect environment for a haunt or some paranormal activity. Now, I know that in the past, um, you've been hesitant in being able to say that the jail actually has any paranormal activity. Um, so talk to us a little bit about um, your hesitancy around being able to talk about that, but then also please share with us um, the actual stuff that goes down in the jail. Like yeah. I, I want to know. Yeah, I, I have. You're 100% <laughs> right. I have got a bit of a reputation with the ghost hunters of South Australia that I'm the jail lady that doesn't let them in. Um, 
I am, to be honest, I'm really quite protective of the spirits that are here in the jail. Um, and I guess like on our website there is a section that talks about whether we're haunted and I guess up front I need to say my definition of, of hauntedness is has always been that if you're a haunted place that there's paranormal stuff going on and things flying around and and I never wanted anyone that was uh, thinking about coming here for an experience to think that that's what would happen when they come because that has not been our experience in 11 years. Um, but I do love explaining to people that spirits are everywhere. They're not just all stuck in an old jail or an old hospital or an old anything. They're everywhere. So, yes, you might feel some more activity in a place like mine, but it's not always for certain. And I would honestly say that 90% of people that come into our venue have no interaction with spirit. They're unaware that they're around. It's only a very small amount of people that walk in that our spirits see that they are vibing with them and that they <laughs> can feel them and then they get really excited and mischievous. So, um, yes, I, I we do deter paranormal investigators from coming here um, because we are predominantly an accommodation business and we have a lot of school camps here and so forth. So we've always sort of diverted from that. However, um, I think it's time to be a little bit more expansive on that now and to make sure that I'm a little bit more open about it because things happen here all the time. Um, things like uh, guests being uh, poked on the neck with a finger, having their toes tickled. Um, <laughs> there's a couple of cells that people often will lose their jewellery and come out in a mad panic and then before they leave it's always discovered in their room again. Um, simple things like trying to unlock doors and they will not unlock so then they'll come and get us and then we unlock them straight away. Um, bulbs blowing, you know, all those very normal things that happen all the time, um, mm. they do happen. Um, but I think you've got to be aware of it, to be honest. Um, but, yeah, we recently we did actually have um, a couple of women come down from Adelaide and they actually did a, an investigation for us. And that was the first one that we've actually um, encouraged and allowed, so to we speak. We are so jealous right now. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to be the first. Yeah. Why, did you, why did you encourage it? Um, these ladies have built up a relationship with me over the last four or five years. And initially when they would turn up in their car saying, you know, haunted horizons, ghost hunters, <laughs> <they're> like, <laughs> my guests would be like, oh, my God, what's going on here? And I would be like, oh, my God. Oh, and I yeah. used to be one of those women, like I used to make sure they'd lock all their equipment in their car and they were not bringing it in. I, I just, I was really quite um, fearful that they were going to razz up the spirits like that we hear, yeah, that's perfectly put, Laura. Yeah, and and I didn't want that to happen. We had such a good relationship with the spirits here. Mm, and so hard to be respectful of it. We all. have. And in yeah. my mind, there's three resident spirits that okay. um, coexist here with us, that continue to live here with us, if that's the term. Yeah. And, well, that's the um, thing. Like you live there on the yeah. premises with yeah. your three children. So yeah, I raised my kids here. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. It's not a playhouse. It's your no. home. Yeah. And I think a lot of like um, paranormal investigators are awesome people, but a lot of the time when they go and invest things, there no one lives there. No one's been yeah. there for a long time. And and I do feel like there's a, a lack of understanding or respect around it being our home and our income and our a place that a lot of people are invited to, not just one particular. So um, you'd be surprised. The people who are legit investigators will have a tremendous amount of respect. Yeah, I have learned that. I'm learning that and and <laughs> being around them more and, and having the ladies come in and seeing all the people that follow them, I absolutely understand that now. It was just mm. always my um, concerns. Um, yeah, and your perception of, of what what people like that do and what they are and what their exactly. agenda is. And, yeah. Absolutely. But um, honestly, when we had the two ladies in, it was just through COVID when not much was going on and these ladies were going around to businesses that were suffering and tried to give them a little bit more exposure. And um, the amount of interest that our community had as they followed on the live stream, like it was oh, actually wow. really, really, yeah, it was really exciting. So mm. I'm definitely open moving forward to having uh, weekends where like, you know, the ghost hunters can all come together or we're not against it or totally opposed to it, but we would love to have some sort of, um, not control, but mm. some sort of idea it's going on. That's fair. Oh, you you're the to. boss. Yeah, absolutely. It's were fair they able, you're the boss. Yeah. Um, can I ask, were they able to validate your, the three ones like that coexist with you? It was really interesting. Like, I'm going to put it up in a couple of weeks. I'll have to let you know when I um, put Ooh. up the, the link on our Facebook. But, um, yeah, it was really interesting. There's a gentleman that um, has always stayed around our function room mm. and I've never got his name and his name kept coming through that night. Okay. Um, there was also on some of their equipment, um, grandfather kept getting spat out a lot, which I understood the relevance for okay. my great-great-great-great-grandfather was a warden here Um, and there was also we have a cell called the condemned man cell which is the cell where the men before they were executed would spend their last few days in and out of that where you send your kids when they're being shitheads (laughs) yeah for sure I have people knocking on my door to take the kids away. Yeah, I need your contentment. You can seriously hire it out to parents. I was about to say, I'll have an influx of parents knocking on my door saying, please, can I chuck my in? The threat of it. (laughs) Um, Come and stay a night in the jail. That cell is, uh, we've never used as accommodation out of respect, but we did a, I think they call it a vigil where you sit in there with all the little bits of equipment and they chucked me in there um, and just you ask questions. I, I don't know all the terminology, but a little box. Me either. Takes you, <laughs> me takes either. you questions and then they spit out later on, they can play it back and they can see what comes through. But um, basically um, they were asking when they were in there, they were asking Carl Jung if uh, how he feels about me and James living here and whether he likes what we've done and, there was just some really positive stuff come back um, from that. So, yeah, I mean, you take it with a, you know, a grain of salt, but I personally felt that there was quite a few hits on the night. So I'm really excited to have you yeah. and Tracy. Whenever you can come down, I'm very, very excited about that. As are at we. This, at this point I'm thinking of just building a boat and getting in the water and travelling around the, <laughs> <laughs> the southeast yeah. coast of Australia to get you. We can do that. <laughs> Where there's a will, there's a way. Yes, or I could just get my pilot's license. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, you 
could do. Why not? Just add it to the list. Um, so if someone like if someone wanted to go and stay, or say, say if I was if Laura and I were gonna come and stay there, which cell would you have us sleeping in and why? Um, there's a few different cells that we've had different experiences in. Um, but to be honest, people that come here that uh, their intention is to make contact usually come away with some sort of stories. So we'd have separate cells. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'd have the contact okay, and no contact. You can sleep by yourself then, Laura. <laughs> <laughs> we have a couple where like the toes in particular and then there's another one where that person likes to touch people on the neck. We have one particular cell <laughs> that creepy at all. <laughs> we don't put men in on their own. It's the only one we've ever had where um, at one of our residents made a gentleman feel very uncomfortable. But wow. the disclaimer on that is that gentleman had stayed for a couple of weeks and was very vocal in saying that ghosts do not exist. And Ooh. we kept saying, be very careful what you say. And on the last night he was here, that uh, spirit made himself very well known. The guy come out the next morning and said, never coming back. Thanks a lot. I'm out. I'm out. But he's the only one we've ever had that has said, I'm, I'm never coming back. So that's pretty good. Mm. Oh, goodness. And so when people come and stay at the jail, what do they get to experience? Like, I mean, not just paranormal-ish, but or haunted activity-ish, just as, a, as you know, from a historical perspective, what, what can one expect if they were to come and stay at Old Mount Gambia? Um, the old jail is like really, because it was built in the frontier time, it's very colonial in its um, look and its appearance. Yep, in its architecture. It's, uh, it's still got heaps of the heritage um, features, which is really cool. I love people, when, when they come in, we always say we should have had a um, video running on the front door from when we first started because people's reactions when they get out of the car are hysterical. And we had oh, really? a long time, oh, Laura, we, for a long time, like initially Europeans loved us straight away. Like they would come and stay all the time because they're so used to things being old and converted and kooky. But Australians uh, would not never come and stay with us. Like it just was not their thing. <laughs> um, but when they started to, what we discovered was that a lot of men would make the booking and not tell their wives. Wow. So we would have these women turn up and look at the place and like, what the hell is this? And then as they <laughs> walked in and they started to realise, oh, my God, I'm staying in a prison, their faces would just be like you'd spend all this time <laughs> trying to get them excited and you're looking at the husband thinking, thank you so much, making yeah. our <laughs> job so hard. They thought it was hysterical. Oh, my um, goodness. But it's really, when you drive up the driveway, it looks like a really old castle okay. for Australia, like, yeah. a, you know, a very small castle. But <laughs> when you walk inside and the big doors slam behind you, it, it's beautiful. And the, the stand, sandstone is gorgeous and it's a really lovely place. But there is that real feel still, though, that this was a prison and everything bangs. And all the doors are original and we've wow. kept all the razor wires still up. Like because it's heritage, we, we cannot change it to new bathrooms. We can't, oh. but there's so many things we can't do. So it's, um, yeah, it's a really unique place that I guess we're so fascinated with prison culture, but none of us, not a lot of us get to experience it. So this mm. gives you that, that moment where you can come in, you can have a look and, you know, know that you can walk out the door. Our tagline is um, the only jail you'd be sad to leave once your stay is over. Oh, so, I love that. <laughs> but it's just like we get told a lot of times by people that 
the feel of it is great. Like the energy yeah. feels really warm and welcoming, which is amazing that we've been able to do that. But um, it's still, it's features, it's cold, it's stark, it's, you know, it's very much a, a prison. It's still, yeah. So people sleep in single cells, dorm, like so all the cells have been changed. So we have a one big family room where a little family can go into. That's where we lived for the first few months that we were here. Okay. Then we've got other cells that are um, double beds. That's all you can fit into them. And oh then God. we've got other ones that are twins. And then on one side of the jail, it's all dorm style. So that's where we have all our school camps and sporting groups and all that sort of stuff. But we used to get quite a few reviews saying that it was a bit too prison-like. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, maybe don't go to a place called a jail. Yeah, <laughs> so funny. But we are who we are and we, we, we never say that we're not we're anything else and for us it's really important that we provided a really family-friendly environment that kids would feel welcome to come but also that we would pass on history and then the truth of where we are and what has happened before us we don't want to gloss over that and pretend it's not what it isn't because we feel like that's really important that that we teach the new young kids what where we came from and, and what happened I love Do your that. kids have a certain protective nature about the jail or are they just like I cannot wait to get out of here they're so indifferent Trace like my eldest mm-hmm. son he he was with us when we came here so he was five when he turned up and I remember him going to school and saying oh, I live at the old jail and I remember everyone just teasing and going no you don't like who lives in a jail so yeah. we had to do lots of parties and you know excursions <laughs> oh. so they could come and see where he was and and then it got to the point where um, we'd be at Coles and or the supermarket and the kids would say, what are we doing? And I'd say, we're going home. And they'd be like, we're not going back to the jail, you know. <laughs> and you see people just step away from you like, what the hell is going on, you know. But um, my two youngest ones don't know any any different. They've been brought straight back from the hospital into the jail. So um <laughs> God, they don't know any different. It's a great it's, story when they grow up. It's very strange and everyone knows of them that they live here. Like it's, um, it'll be interesting to hear what they have to say when they're older. But I have had to do, um, I have had to teach them some protective stuff early and I've had to, mm. like our home in the jail, the section that is our home is, I, I focus, yeah, I focus a lot on on that yep. particular area. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, you just answered a question I was going to ask, which was around what about your children and their experiences there and well, have they had their neck tickled? <laughs> no neck tickles, but interestingly, before I met Tracy, I wasn't protecting that area of myself and I wasn't um, I wasn't aware of what I was doing to make it worse. So all of my kids had the same dreams at the same oh, age. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it was, I don't believe that were dreams. I do believe it was they get to that certain stage and then yep. we're visited. But yep. um visitation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they don't like they they all sleep well. They all they don't have any fear. We talk openly about, you know, what used to happen and and, yeah. and ghosts and things like that. And they're not really fussed by any of it. Um amazing. Yeah, so far, so good. But it doesn't bother them at all. What we don't have a days? lot of sleepovers. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> morbid curiosity initially has been like cured and now it's just like crickets yeah. <laughs> um what about James what is he um 
has he had any experiences that have sort of changed his his outlook on the whole supernatural paranormal yeah he has he um when we first got together he really wasn't a believer of ghosts and then we moved in here and he saw one and that changed he saw a little child run past and for yeah. a couple of years he was just like that you know it did not happen he just you know he just couldn't get his head around it and to be honest for a few years he would go because he's the hospitality guy and he'd be the one running the bar and the events and functions at the end of a function and everything was black and no one was around he would go and sit out in the areas where I've seen things before and be like okay come on like where are you I want to talk to you like it was a little bit ready he was put off that they hadn't talked to him you know um, but in the last couple of years, that's changed and um, they have definitely shown him that they're around and yeah. he's got a lot bigger respect now. Yeah, so very cool. interesting. Mm. And so when people come and stay, what else is there for them to do? So like is where you are, you mentioned that you're, as um, Mount Gambia has grown that you're pretty much close to the city center now so do people come and stay with you and then they kind of make a weekend of it or what's the yeah absolutely um we've got a really cool little area so Mount Gambia is situated on top of all of these aquifers so underneath us are all sinkholes and caves underneath the whole of our area um so it's a really beautiful place to come and go free diving or um scuba diving or snorkeling and we've got just a lot of really beautiful natural uh, things that are for free. So it's a really popular place for families to come down. We're right on the end of the Great Ocean Road in Victoria. Um, so it's just a place where a lot of people will spend a few days and then they'll go hiking or they'll go down to the beach or they'll go and do bits and pieces. It's just one of those really nice places that in the last four or five years has really gained traction um, a holiday being, destination. Yeah, and for mm. families, Lara, like it's really just a, a place that's country town and it's really mm. laid back and they have good coffee now and, you know. It's, <laughs> very um, important. Very, very important. So it's really gained momentum and it was a bit unfortunate when COVID kicked in because we were having the very best um, years that we've ever seen. You know, everyone in town was doing just so well. Um, and then, of course, things have changed now, but... We're all very, very hopeful that soon yeah. everything will go yeah. back to normal and, we'll uh, vi- yeah, Victorians will be able to come over again and, yeah, yes. but there's heaps to do. There's heaps to do. And if anyone's ever thinking of coming down, they can always get in touch with us and we'll give them a whole heap of ideas on what they can do while they're here. Yeah. And if you're not too much of a scaredy cat, you can just sleep in a cell. Absolutely. You can put all <laughs> your kids in there and your husband in there. <laughs> It's great. Condemned Mansell. Yeah. Um, so I know when we were doing Zenith that um that we kind of conjured up a bit of a bit of creativity around um the jail and um some new things that you could do. And before COVID, my plan was to come down and do a mediumship event there, a live mediumship event, and maybe do some some kind of weekend festival or something. Mm-hmm. And so thanks to COVID though. Um, you've had you've had time to to sow that or so water that seed and, and come up with some some ideas. So tell us what you've got planned for 2022. So at the moment, James is working on some music shows because 
poor little old Mount Gambier hasn't had any of those for a little while. And we've got an adjoining paddock next to us. Where, so we have massive music shows there. When I say massive, I mean like 4,000 people, which is big for us. Wow. That's um, huge though. Yeah. yeah. So we've had bands like the Hilltop Hoods and Xavier Rudd and Bliss Nesso mm-hmm. and then John Farnham and all those guys like Jimmy Barnes. And so he's doing a few of those at the moment and really excited to get that going. But I have been stewing on the idea, like you just said, of having a spiritual festival or a three-day thing for so long. And I'm really pleased to say we're actually finally doing it. So we are setting a date. It'll be February or March. I just need to talk with Tracy first. Um, (laughs) While we're not recording. (laughs) So it's happening and it's going to be happening early next year. And I couldn't be more excited about it, to be honest. It's going to be fantastic. It's a long overdue, but um, it is going to happen. So if I say it now, here, it has to happen. So it's going to, it's going to, oh my goodness. Manifest that baby. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, that's I'll, exciting. Yeah. 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 And really I think good. probably really great for your region. Great, just great for everything. I think so. Absolutely. I think alternative is always fun and it's good to try new things. And yeah. Yeah. And great. moving forward for that whole area and in celebration and like you were saying, in healing and having lots of happy times there as well. Yeah, I think it's really important, Lara, that the more we do to celebrate and honour on this parcel of land, I think it really exacerbates that healing process, you know, on so many levels. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And it ignites people's spirit and essence and fire and and creativity. You know, it brings community together and um, it allows respect and and connection. So many amazing things. I can't wait. I can't wait to get there and I can't wait to hug you in person. Um, can't wait to speak to dead people in the jail. Yep. Um, oh, great. my God. <laughs> <laughs> Laura, if you can't stay here, you can always stay at the church. Yeah. You can have your, you can have their, just come and visit and you can go back there if that makes Thank you feel you better. Thank you so much. It's so nice to know that I have options. <laughs> uh-uh. If I'm staying in the jail for the night, you're staying at the jail for the night. Well, so long as I'm not far from Tracy, I'll be fine. <laughs> I still live by that motto. <laughs> She'll tell him what's what. <laughs> she will. There is no so doubt. Out of, so how long have you lived there for? 11 years. 11 years. believe so, it. In the 11 years that you've lived there, what would have to be the number one, like, weirdest, strangest thing that's ever happened to you there? Do you have something that kind of stands out above everything else that's like, whoa? Oh, she's nodding away. I've got two. So my first first experience of seeing a ghost here was um, in in the morning. It was like 8.45 in the morning or quarter to nine quarter to nine in the morning. I'd just taken my son to school. 8.45 and I was, or quarter to nine. Same. <laughs> um, and I was just walking back across our exercise yard. And so it was sunny. There was um, some of those uh, homeless men were sitting out the front. I'd said hello to them. And as I was walking through, this gentleman walked straight past me. Um, he had long, dark blue pants on and he had a blue shirt rolled up to his elbows. You know how like older men used to dress like yeah. in the hard yakka shirts and <laughs> and anyway, he walked past me and he was very tall and I said good morning and he didn't answer me and I thought that was incredibly rude of a tradie just wow. to ignore me and as I turned around I got that sick sensation wow. where my whole body just revolted like wow. and there was no one there and 
he wasn't anywhere and I went and told my husband straight away and if I hadn't I don't know if I would have believed it like he was so human-like I actually thought he was a tradie and he must have thought that was hilarious that I acknowledged him in that way but that was the first one that I had seen here in the daytime that was just like a human so have you ever seen him again I've never seen him again Never. And he never acknowledged you, but you saw Never him. acknowledged me. And I go past that bit all the time now because yeah. it's near the laundry. And I always think of him and think, yeah. I wonder if he, you know, I've never seen him since, which is really interesting. Um, he could be on loop. He oh, could have been, okay. yeah. Because it was just like, and the way he dressed, I know he was from the past because my grandfather dressed very similarly. Similarly. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that happened. And cool. then um, another thing that's just is probably personal, not so much the jail, but when I was going through Zenith with uh, Tracy and doing some mentoring and trying to work out some abilities, the psychic abilities I have, I actually just started seeing people around the jail, like not in full, but just parts of them. Do you remember that, Tracy? <laughs> so no. I'd be making... <laughs> I'd be like making beds. By. Yes, oh, I was trying. I was it. trying to set boundaries and and saying I don't trying. want to see you, but then I'd be making a bed and just see a foot oh at the God. end, and so I'd know they were there. But I guess it was their way of cheekily <laughs> playing with me. Did you I, have to be more specific? I don't want to see any part of you whatsoever. Yeah, <laughs> I nothing. did. Not one I thing. did. <laughs> but um, generally the consensus of the, the spirits here, are they're incredibly mischievous. They're very, very cheeky. cheeky. They're very cheeky. And, I, look, I'm just really lucky. I don't see a lot of the dark sides of anything. I just see the light stuff, which I'm incredibly grateful for. So yeah. um, I don't have any issues so far, touch wood. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> With anything, yeah. I love this. I love it. Love it, love it, love it. So where can people find out more about the jail and more about you? Yep. If they head to the oldmangambiajail.com.au, our website's there with everything they need to know. Um, we can find us on Facebook as well and Instagram, just the Old Man Gambia Jail. And I'm um, Mel Stevenson if they want to check me out and follow me around. <laughs> and if our listeners... If our listeners, especially after this and then after you do that, um, the ladies, what did you call it, Haunted? Haunted Horizons. Yeah. Haunted Horizons. Yep. When that starts to come out and it starts yep. to get a little bit more out there, mm-hmm. um, how if people just sort of ring you up and just or contact you and email mm-hmm. you and just say, hey, I'm a Tospy or a Toey <laughs> or something um, <laughs> or a Tozor and I want to come and stay and, and you know, can you can you look after us? Um, yep. Is that something that you're you're open to? Absolutely. If so, if anyone contacts us and wants to come and stay, and they say they're from this podcast, they just need to let me know, and I'm happy to give them a tour myself. You know, yeah. that, well, no go, problem everyone. at all. Hello, <laughs> <Yeah>. Tosby. <laughs> Personalized tour, absolutely. Yeah. Tribe tour. Get, yeah. And she might even take you to the condemned man's cell. No, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I guess I am now. <laughs> Thanks, Trace. <laughs> that would Leave be Leave you fine. out on the exercise yard doing burpees. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, it's better than the policeman's paddock. All right, yeah. well, I hope that people do come and visit when everything is possible. And and I guess you guys are open now. Like, are you, yeah. are you, yep. are you taking bookings? Yep. Yeah, we haven't stopped. We're just very quiet. Yeah, yeah. People are just difficult, but it's hard. It's people aren't difficult. It's difficult for people. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, 
Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. If you live in Adelaide and you can only stay in Adelaide or if you get to travel to Adelaide, give hit Mel and James up at Old Mount Gambia Jail. And um, I want to see photos and I want to be tagged and um, tag tag the podcasts and it'll be fun. That'd yeah. be great. Absolutely. Yay. Maybe one nice. day we can. Sorry, Lara. No, I was just going to say it'll be nice to finally meet you in person. Yes. Maybe one day we can have like a tosby sleepover and have everyone come Ooh. down and stay. Ooh, slumber Ooh, yes. party. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, Perfect. I was always, Let's do it. I was always going to come for my 40th. Yeah. Yes, that's thanks right. To, thanks to COVID. So maybe, maybe my 41st. Yeah. Soon. <laughs> Or maybe to celebrate two years or yeah, maybe celebrate two years with, with turns out she's psychic. I don't know. Maybe. Coming up. Yep. Whatever. Whenever we can get there, we're going to get there. It's a Saturday. What you will. We'll make an (laughs) excuse. Sounds great. (laughs) You don't even need one. Mel, thank you so much. It's been wonderful to get to know you. We've kept you for hours upon hours now, and you've shared so much about yourself and where you live and, and your plans for the future. And, and that's a lot. So thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate your time. And if anyone wants to know more about Mel as well, and you haven't listened to the Turns Out She's Psychic episode from last week, head on over um, where Mel tells us a little bit more about herself and um, her experience um, over the last few years, especially with her spiritual journey. Um, Yeah, so head on over. And if you like this episode, give it a share and tag Mel in it as well, which we will tag you in. Have you got an Instagram? Has the jail got an Instagram? Yeah, we'll tag you in there as well. So that'd be great. Tag us in and and share the love and um, spread some Australiana around. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Getty Cats. Thank you. If you'd like to send us one of your ghost stories or if you have a question for me or for Laura, send us a gmail at tospsychic at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at turnsout underscore she's psychic and over on Facebook at tospp.